This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome back in. You are listening to the January 11th, 2019 episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the Divisional Playoff Round show, he was around these parts this time last year. This man is part of the heart and soul of Rotoviz. He hosts the RV Report. He helps write the high-stake version series. He penned the ultimate zero RB watch list this season, and he's already stinking cranking out rookie draft profiles. Welcome to the show, my man, Hassan Rahim. That's at HRR5010, the good dinner man on Twitter. Hassan, my man, what is good? What's happening? Jeremy, thanks so much for having me on again. It's been a long time. I'm really, I'm really glad that we get a, a chance to chat a little bit this time. Uh, this time last year, we called Kiki QT and Tyler Boyd, and I'm, I, and I'm glad that we forgot whatever bad calls we gave because <laughs> hey, that doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. Hey, we we got Kiki right. That's all that matters. And I mean, you you guys out there want takes? When Hassan and I get together, we got takes. We bring the takes. For, for good or bad, but we're going we're gonna to make it happen as we answer all the questions for the, this week regarding uh, player and team outlooks, fantasy slants, DFS rants, you name it. Um, but, of course, I'd be remiss, Hassan, not to dive in first to a really good piece. Uh, we just kind of briefly mentioned the FFPC Playoff Challenge. Talk a little bit about what you learned from a strategy perspective while researching this. This is with respect to uh, the High Stake Virgin Series. So you and another partner in crime here at the Viz took on the FFPC Playoff Challenge here. So, you know, what did you ultimately decide on rolling out in terms of a strategy and how, how do you think it's faring out so far? Yeah, so this one's actually been, uh, it, it was just the process behind it was actually very fun. We uh, started with one lineup and ended up having three teams, and we also split two other teams with uh, Baccarin and Peter Overzet on, uh, off, uh, you know, the other, the other actual high six guys uh, on, on Road of His Radio. And we had, you know, some really good content on this last, last week before we talked about it. And there's a lot of game theory that goes into it. And so the three lineups that Blair and I are, are rolling out. Uh, they're on the site if you're looking for it because we did a, you know, we kind of published our Slack chat here, uh, you know, so just a little peek behind the curtain. So we've got three lineups. One of them is in really poor shape because uh, we lost DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Carson, uh, and Tariq Cohen, and uh, the rest of the guys are fairly chalky. So I, I don't think this lineup had a chance to go anywhere. Uh, you know, we still got uh, Vinatieri, Dallas, and Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, but we have two lineups that are currently live. Um, 
you know, we're sitting very far out of uh, the cash. Uh, and one of the lineups that I am personally uh, uh, a fan of, it's called uh, Free Ronald Jones. This has uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas, Tariq Cohen, James White, Eric Ebron, Justin Tucker, and Seattle T. So my thinking is, if you want to lose players here, you want to lose the, 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 the kicker, you want to lose the defense. Unfortunately, we had a lot of Tariq Cohen in this, um, uh, in our uh, on our five teams, and uh, you're a Bears fan, Jeremy. Was that criminal underuse or or what? It was bullshit. Hassan is is exactly what it was. You know, sometimes we put these coaches so high on a pedestal, and then we get so surprised when they let us down. And I mean, let's face it, just like players let us down every single week, the coaches can let us down as well. And I mean, to your point, I mean, I have no idea why Tariq Cohen got like four to five total touches on the on the ball in that game it doesn't make any sense to me and I get it Cody Park he blew it it was tipped it doesn't matter you can blame the defense that didn't hold him up in the back of that game but I mean just schematically a lot of their routes were just too deep down the field for how you actually attack Philadelphia across the slants and crossers there so I, I you just let the cat out of the bag basically for a Bears fan and I could go on for another three minutes and all the things that they did wrong but uh yeah the most criminal thing to that to swing it back to you was not utilizing Tariq Cohen in this stinking game. Yeah, and the thing is, is this is like a 4,250 entry tournament, so it's kind of capped, and uh, a little under 1,000 teams had Tariq Cohen, and we decided to be supremely overweight on Cohen because uh, we weren't really giving Ertz much of a thought. We weren't giving the Eagles much of a shot. You know, we thought uh, the Bears have a phenomenal defense. They're going to be able to hopefully get a little bit, a little bit of pressure on the passer. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, like we know Nick Foles can get the ball out quickly, but they haven't faced a team with the kind of pass rush that Chicago brings, right? And so we figured we wanted to be supremely overweight Cohen because they have to utilize Cohen in the event this kind of shoots out or like as a game-breaking talent. And there's always a possibility he runs one, and then that would set them up to go play against the Rams. And, um, you know, they need going against the Rams anyway. And I think from a game theory perspective, given that less than a quarter of the field had going and we were 4x of that, uh, I think that that was fine. Unfortunately, the result wasn't there for us. Um, so I think that that was something that um, is uh, one of the things that we were discussing a little bit is a lot of this comes down to ownership. I mean, realistically, playoff fantasy football is a really great way to just extend the fantasy season. There's a whole different way to go about it. It's a logic puzzle. You have to flesh out scenarios, and you have to make sure your lineups line up with what it is. And the FFPC makes it tough because um, you can only choose one player per team. So in essence, you're choosing 10 players of 12 teams, so you've got to find the team to fade. And, and logically, you want to make sure after... Wildcard weekend, you've got eight of your ten players still alive. And uh, unfortunately for us, we don't. Uh, the only other play that I think we made that a lot of other people were fairly low on was we were, we were very heavily invested in a uh, tight end called Rob Gronkowski. You might know him as a former really good player. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we it's a tight end premium format. This team has a chance. They, yeah, they don't look particularly impressive, but we decided to find like the most to lean into the tight end premium, to lean into some semblance of a Gronk narrative, and a little under 500 teams have Gronk at tight end. So 12% of the teams, or a little over 11.5% of the teams have Gronkowski at tight end. In the 
in the possibility that they play all three games and make the Super Bowl. The FFPC has a pretty cool wrinkle, so it's 2x scoring, so we get three points per reception from Gronkowski. Uh, unfortunately, they drew the Chargers, which is uh, pretty bad because it goes up against Derwin James and so on. Uh, but in the event that the, you know, Gronk, the guy from Miami, not the, you know, the guy whose production we saw against Miami, the 100 yards on eight, eight targets, eight catches, not the guy who was missing the tackle at the end that cost them the game, that he's the dude. There's a very strong possibility that because he's so low owned, this is our leverage against the rest of the field going forward. I'll take I'll take a twelve percent, eleven percent Gronk all day long. I'm with you there as well. And he is a shell of his former self. But I mean sometimes these teams they, they outsmart themselves and they have to be the one that says, Hey, I told you so and of course they put it out into the media that all you gotta do is touch him and he can't get started back up again. So I mean all Belichick really has to do is send Gronk on the other side of the line for crying out loud and so you don't have a chance to press him, you know? So I who knows? I mean that could definitely be a high payout outcome there. And yeah, I wish you guys all the best and you guys definitely have the right strategy in terms of getting a couple teams out there. This isn't the type of tournament where I think you can just, you know, place place your, your bet on one team and then hope it rides because, I mean, it's almost like I would want to have some of those conviction plays and then hedge myself on a couple different angles there to have two to three teams, just like you guys have done. The unfortunate thing for me is one of my conviction plays – all bias aside, would have been the Bears <laughs> right alongside you guys because I had them going in for a deep run in this one as well. And uh, apparently, uh, I don't think it's too tangible, but I think Matt Nagy just kind of outcoached himself, got a little bit of skirt of the Peterson on the other side coming from the same coaching tree and uh, outsmarted himself there. So what are you going to do? But let's switch tunes here for a sec and uh, talk a little bit about uh, another article, uh, you're cranking out these rookie prospect profiles as well. This is a great time, everybody out there, to make sure you're getting over to the site and checking these out. So give us a couple names you put under the lens as you're excited for for the 2019 season. Yeah, and before I get started, I just want to say that the rest of the team is doing a phenomenal job with these profiles. I've written only a handful. I mean, Jordan Hoover, Matt Risby, Sean Siegel have been cranking out. Players got some. I know... Uh, Neil Dutton's been cracking out some phenomenal profiles. He had a really good one on Noah Fant that I just read. But let me take you through with two wide receivers who I looked over. Uh, the first one is a guy called Tyler Johnson from, uh, I can't recall if it's Minnesota or Wisconsin right now. Uh, I always get those two teams confused uh, because I just think of them in the middle of, uh, they're in the cold areas, right? Um, so, yeah, the, the, the cold Big Ten, it doesn't matter. It's all the same around here, right? Right, yeah, and so <laughs> this is a guy who Matt Wispy really likes, and um, I, I looked into him, um, and I decided to write him up, and it's actually kind of interesting because his career dominator rating over three seasons is uh, 0.41, which is incredible, despite he, the fact that he did nothing as a freshman. Um, as a sophomore, he played only 10 games. He missed the final few with a leg injury, and he accounted for 45% of the receiving yards and 78% of the TDs. And he had a uh, breakout season in his, at the age of 19. And uh, as a junior, and uh, I should be remiss to say he's very young. I think that was 19.4 would be the exact uh, date he was at the end of December. And then and as a junior, he accounted for 43% of the receiving yards, 56% of the TDs. And uh, that was despite playing an offense uh, that had a below average passing attack for football outsiders. Uh, the TDs, uh, they're kind of random. They don't really matter. But what does matter? is the fact that he dominated the target share over 40% in his last two seasons. 
and he also broke out at like a very young age. Um, there's been a lot of work been done over on Rotoviz, and 46% of top 100 picks with Tyler Johnson's breakout age have reached the 200 PPR point plateau in at least one of their free se- first three seasons. He hasn't declared for the draft yet, so let's hope he does. The second is a guy called Paris Campbell, who is a player who didn't do much for the senior year. Uh, his raw production doesn't look particularly impressive. Uh, that's because, I mean, now we know after the uh, Michael Thomas mistake that, you know, Ohio State plays a very low-volume passing offense and they spread the ball around a lot. Um, this is a guy who kind of took over the full-time starter after Curtis Samuel left. And the interesting thing is he was able to just produce as a multitude of ways. As a junior and as a senior, he posted uh, a pretty healthy rushing line. He had four rushing attempts for 186 yards and two touchdowns. And he was also utilized uh, heavily in on kick returns. You know, he returned 30 kicks for 913 yards. This guy is a, mm. he's a legitimate track freak. And, um, you know, like, if you use those all-purpose yards, and, and John Moore has shown this, and Anthony Miko has, like, echoed this, those all-purpose yards really underscore, like, the wide receivers, like, a, a guy who's muted actual receiving production as a potential NFL freak. You know, we've seen that with Antonio Brown or Wes Walker and a few other guys. And Curtis Samuel as well. And that's sort of where Paris Campbell comes in. I mean, from a production threshold, he just doesn't hit any of them. You know, like his fellow wide receivers uh, accounted for, you know, all double-digit target shares, all below 20%, because like I said, they pass, you know, they move the ball around, like they spread the ball around a lot. Um, But the most important thing here is that he is a multi-skilled player. He has the ability to run routes to the receiver. He can play out of the backfield. And he's one of those guys who you see functioning very well in the future of the NFL. You know what I mean? So he's got that hybrid skill set. And and as long as he goes to a team that has a, like that just has a, an offensive coordinator who is creative. This is a dude who should be the, like, like at, at the one back end of the first early second in rookie drafts. Oh man. Oh man. I'm getting, I'm getting hot and steamy over here because I mean, it's almost like, it's it's vindication all over for Curtis Samuel, which is better late than never. You know what I mean? And you got the mm-hmm. the drop there, and it was some dude I was really high on and reaching for as high as even 1.7, 1.8 in a couple drafts. And it was just like, look, to your point, this is the future of the NFL, and he doesn't necessarily make all the production marks. But as uh, one fellow wise man who used to be around these parts and Friedman says, you know, sometimes it's about how these guys produce in a, a multitude of different ways. And, uh, you know, right alongside John Moore there, and that, that was Curtis Samuel. So these are the types of prospects I'm high on moving forward. I don't want to discount you. You know, the, the tangible evidence we have in, in age and market share, and I think that's all phenomenal. I mean, if you can get the best of two worlds, great. But, uh, yeah, I think these, these you know, multifaceted guys are the guys that are going to have a little bit more value to come. And I think this is all the information that you out there are going to want to get over to the site to check out because – you already alluded to it over there. You're going to want to see the FFPC Playoff Challenge. You're going to want to follow along with that. You're going to want to see all these profiles that are already being cranked out. And, I mean, we don't just focus on Dynasty here at the Rotoviz, but if there is any site out there, anyone at all, that is working hard to get you those Dynasty Nuggets, it's over here at Rotoviz. And right now, it's a 30% discount for the rest of the calendar year 
to this year, uh, this point in next year as well. Just hit up rotoviz.com slash podcast and uh, make sure you support us on the pod as well. Just subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Give it five freaking stars. How awesome would that be? If you already rated it, do do us a solid unrate it and re-rate it, okay? Unsubscribe, resubscribe. It doesn't matter. Just do that and give us the hits that we need so we can help find new listeners as well. We've got Patreon ships uh, going on right now, $5 a month. That's all it takes for you to not only enjoy all the 40 shows a month on average that you're getting, uh, but you're also helping to A, support that community, and B, get access to um, everybody in the community uh, forums, and you're also going to get the live shows, and we have those in season as well. So, again, that is patreon.com slash rotavizradio. And if you have any questions you want answered on this show, email us, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and get that set up for you as well. All right, Hassan, let's dive in and fire up the QQs for the week. Here we go. Uh, Playoff League, PPR. My buddies and I started a new playoff league this year, which is really just weekly DFS total points rotisserie, if you will. We started a private league. Everyone threw in $100 at the beginning of the playoffs, and top three out of 15 total win in the end. Well, I'm off to a rough start because somehow one-fourth the league used Kiki, and I'm not on that list. I, of course, used New Hopkins with only so many rounds. Do I already need to take a more contrarian approach to play catch-up, or do I still just try and build for total points and uh, try to outscore my opponent? So, interesting question here, because to his point, we've only got this weekend, next weekend, and then, you know, really another weekend after that for you to try to play catch-up. And, I mean, the difference between Nuke and Kiki, you know, pound for pound, was was pretty immense this week. And, you know, you have to think everybody's going to be on Indy, and Casey, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, as as the show sheet continues to sound. But I mean, is this a spot to get a little bit more contrarian, or just you know pound Indy KC? Uh, we don't have the exact format here. I'm I'm guessing they're just uh, they're just setting the lineup over there on DK and whatever they do. So uh, what, what say you? Yeah, and, and one of the things I was kind of bummed about was because uh, Kiki and Nuke led to completely different. Uh, Lineup constructions last week. If you if you were playing uh, one or the other, so it was it's uh, it, I don't know how far behind he is, uh, but let's just I mean even if we just assume that he's behind the difference between Nukes and Kiki's final score. So at that point, I would say that you don't really need to start going uber contrarian right now. You know, like we get we still have eight teams on this week's slate. Play the plays that you think will score the most raw points, and there's a bunch of ways you can go with lineup construction because you know we've got curly back in play we've got zeke back in play and then on top of that you've got michael thomas you've got tyreek hill you can't put travis kelsey patrick Mahomes, you know andrew luck you can't play all these guys so you're gonna naturally find in a league of 15 people you're gonna find some low on plays just naturally that are going to be much that is just going to be the optimal play that goes off uh on the week and then when we start condensing teams uh that's when you can get a little bit more uh, contrarian as we go down the pike because that's where we have less of a um, choice going forward. You know what I mean? And so this is sort of a week where I would say you just want to just build for your total points. You want to find the kind of guys who you think are going to set you up for the most kind of success and don't sweat being behind because it's still just very early. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. And I think as we as we go on in the show, I think we'll talk a little bit more about how to just tweak a little bit to take a natural contrarian play off the overall chalk because inherently, Hassan, you're going to hear that that's where I actually am this week. So more to come there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of this specific question here, just stay the course. 
uh, jam in those top running backs and let other people make mistakes because more often than not, you're listening to this show, other people might not be and uh, they might make more mistakes than you. So moving on here, Dynasty PPR, can you talk a little bit about the Bruce Arians impact in Tampa Bay? Does Winston stay on board and do I try and get uh, Chris Godwin from that owner, even if it means a twofer for my guys. I have guys like Julian Edelman, Allen Robinson in that tier and think Godwin may be the forward piece uh, to own. I think he meant forward thinking piece. So, I mean, I agree with them here. Um, but, you know, how do, how do you go about getting them in terms of strategy? And what are your overall thoughts on the Arians-led offense? Yeah, so this is kind of interesting because uh, Edelman's got value, but it's just not as kind of doesn't have the ceiling as as a as a Godwin does. So I don't think he'll net you what you're looking for. Allen Robinson is really interesting because uh, after he uh, took a blowtorch to Philadelphia's uh, quote unquote secondary, I think um, now is a good chance to buy low on him. Uh, if you're able to sort of swap a uh, a Rob straight up for a Godwin, or even that's something that I would consider doing if only because, you know, under Arians, we've seen him produce, uh, you know, a pair of wide receivers that uh, end the season as uh, in the top 24. Uh, he's got a gunslinging uh, uh, quarterback in Winston. Uh, Tampa Bay finished uh, far too high to actually think about leveraging the future to go in and swap off of Winston. So I think they're going to be giving him an extension. That's my belief as of right now. And uh, we know Arians has a very vertically-led offense. Uh, you know, we saw that most recently um, with Carson Palmer not too long ago, and uh, he was slinging the ball, and uh, uh, Smokey Brown and uh, guys like J.J. Nelson were actually fantasy-viable uh, punt plays. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so I think Godwin becomes interesting. I know they have Djax under contract for another season, I'm not too sure if Adam Humphreys would be there or not, and I would actually like to see him go to Godwin as a slot wide receiver. Part of the issue that I'm kind of struggling with or dealing with over here is uh, you don't want to really be buying Godwin right now just because there's going to be a bit of a price appreciation as the result of this actual you know, optimism surrounding um, the higher. I actually, as we were talking, I just got a, a trade offer for Godwin. That's just fixed, and those are going right out the window. So this is going to be a reject, <laughs> and I am not dealing with this. Uh, so, so you want production, and you want productive players. Godwin actually had a very uh, quiet but good season, and I would genuinely think that, like, if you, this is a twofer that you're considering, I would go for it. Uh, but try and see if you can get just a little bit back, maybe a second rounder, or like even a future 2020 second rounder or something. But um, Allen Robinson is also a guy that I think people should be considering buy low on, uh, buying low on if um, there's a way to do so. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think people are still a little too low on A-Rob. I mean, first year in the new offense, it's always a challenge for a wide receiver. First year for the quarterback in this offense, really, for crying out loud. They were both out for periods of time, you know, separately. It's a little hard for all of that to kind of gel. So I, I definitely still like A-Rob at minimum as a top 20 guy, which is kind of the floor for Godwin, it looks like, as well. So, I mean, I kind of don't see the difference between these two guys, if I'm being candid, at least for now. Uh, so with you there as well, Hassan, what are your best and worst purchases you've ever made? Uh, so, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot to say, but, like, realistically, one of my best purchases was probably buying a, a PlayStation 4, and it's not necessarily because of video games, it's just it's kind of impressive how it just sort of eventually morphs into your entertainment console. You want to watch um, 
Uh, Netflix is right there. You want to watch something off of Amazon Prime is there. And if, uh, and if you have some downtime and you're looking to play something, uh, you can, you know, it does that. It's been fairly versatile. And given the price uh, that I paid for it and uh, how much use I get out of it, uh, it's been easily by far one of the best purchases because I may, uh, I mean, sorry, but yeah, best purchases because I'm able to just sort of turn my mind off. And it really is one of the ways that I just relax is by uh, watching or playing stuff. Uh, one of my worst purchases, uh, this sort of started, uh, you know, a bunch of years ago. And it was where I thought I'd have uh, a lot of free time. And um, I bought a bunch of uh, pretty uh, pretty decent music equipment, like um, delay pedals and like, you know, a, a decent dish amp and like um, mm. a couple of uh, effects ports and so on and so forth. And I have like a, a, a guitar that's a pretty high end as well. And uh, uh, guess when I last played it? <laughs> like six it's months been, ago. Yeah, it's, it's been like at least half a decade. Oh. Uh, so, so uh, you know, uh, I, had, I had visions of like, uh, yeah, I'm going to practice the guitar in my spare time to, um, wow, this is just a whole bunch of junk that I spent a lot of money on and it's just collecting dust. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you across the board there. I don't have the PS4, did have the PS3, but we went with the Xbox One just I don't know, lots of kids, a lot of community over there, so we did that. But, I mean, yeah, the, the mileage that thing gets in terms of overall media capacity is just phenomenal. And and on the music front, I mean, I went back out trying to live out the glory days, went out and got a drum set again, got the kid a starter drum set, got my daughter the guitar, and the plan was to get him drum set, uh, drum lessons, and get her guitar lessons. We were all just going to jam out, like, full house style, right? And uh didn't happen. Like, I... You haven't even gotten to the point of getting them stinking lessons for crying out loud. Like, just life happens, right? And I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, worst purchase or worst fatherhood. One of the two. I can't figure out how to pin the old town. <laughs> but that's where we are. Uh, DFS, hey, Gummy Cash Games were a success last week thanks to Kiki. Is it just me or do Cash Games actually look even easier this week? Am I picking between Todd Gurley and Zeke or playing them both? It seems like many will use just one in order to get up at tight end and quarterback. So, uh, this one's interesting here, Hassan. Uh, I mean, I agree with them. The, the pricing had to get a little bit softer to make DFS work this week, at least over there on the DKs of the world. And so that's where we're at. And uh, what do you got for us, cash games? Yeah, I mean, last week we were kind of fortunate to be uh, blessed with that late second value that came out with Kiki, right? Like, we, he was questionable, then he played. And then he would, we were fortunate that he actually smashed because Hopkins suffered that AC joint sprain. And, uh, I mean, I, I read an article afterwards that said he couldn't even, like, lift his arm to shake hands after the game was over. So if you're looking for a reason as to why he underperformed, well, give the guy a break. Um, so, <laughs> you, you know, this is the week where, like, it, it's always hard to say cash games seem easier because um, there's such a, with, like, only eight games on the slate, uh, it's such a thin margin of error here that you don't want to, like, one of the wrong picks can actually just doom your lineup. And um, so that those are the things that you want to be careful of. Both Gurley and Zeke are kind of fascinating because they're priced way down, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to find the correct punt plays at wide receiver or, or at least spend a little bit down. And I think he's right. You, you probably are going to want to spend down at the tight end spot. Uh, I think if you're not spending up for Kelsey this week, you just want to punt the position a little bit. I mean, Ebron's playing through an injury. He didn't, you know, play uh, the majority of snaps last week. He didn't have to, but he seems to be coming off, and he's, uh, you know, 
uh, his yardage is pretty decent, but I, I really think that you want to spend the extra and go up to Kelsey if possible. But I'm kind of in if I'm going to be building and I haven't really, like tomorrow is typically where I build my my lineups. But I will be starting uh, with Gurley and Zeke given how low they're priced. And then, and then the question is, do you rotate in Camara, and then you go with three punt, you know, wide receivers, uh, and then uh, figure it out from there. You, you know what I mean? What are you doing over in gone cash games? Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Yeah, I am such a chalk eater. It's not even funny, right? But, like, I also have to just kind of look at these games and the slate from a macro sense. And one thing, there's a few things that are sticking out to me. And and this week specifically because... It, because And you mentioned it. It's a shorter slate, so everything kind of gets, gets heightened in the microscope. Um, you, you really have to decide, like, are you targeting games or are you targeting uh, points. And, and I say that because, you know, you have to tell yourself a little bit of a story when you, when you build rosters this week and even last week to, to some extent as well. My challenge is I know every single person is going to play Patrick Mahomes. And it, there's one team that I think does not come at a discount this week. It's KC, at least in terms of, you know, Mahomes at 7K, Kelsey's at 7-2. Hill, you get a little bit of a discount, but not very much. And so, I and I, despite all that, everybody's going to try to figure out how to jam in Mahomes and Kelsey. And I think that everyone's going to then make a sacrifice or two more throughout the rest of their lineup. And you're paying the KC tax. And I got to tell you, son, I... I'm struggling to see why this game total is as high as it is. I mean, you know, that's also just the Vegas KC tax, similar to New England always gets, a, you know, a little bit inflated. Dallas always gets a little bit inflated. Well, now KC gets a little bit inflated, and they don't put up as many points at home. It's going to be cold. It is an arrowhead. Their teams that they face, you know, take don't score as many points as well. So, like, I'm trying to to understand why there is a large disparity between that total and the total in Philadelphia and New Orleans. And I think I'm more apt to simply take more of the just inherent discounts that are allotted. I'm with you. Like, Zeke, Gurley, jam them in. I don't care if they're both in the same game because they're both, you know, two-way backs and that whichever team falls behind, it doesn't matter because the other back on the other side is still going to be involved. So, I mean, this is like Zeke and Gurley going back and forth. I'll take that all day. I don't care about Gurley's health. He's been out for a month, for crying out loud. I think he's good. And I think I'm just taking targets and touches, targets and touches. And, like, if you get three touchdowns with Mahomes and I get two from Foles, I don't care because I got them for $1,500, $1,600 less. So, I mean, I'll take Zeke, I'll take Gurley, I'll take Foles, uh, and then I can get target and touches, Asan, from Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Nelson Aguilar, Ginn and Aguilar, both at 4-3-4-4, and they're both get, getting seven to eight targets a game. Of course, Ginn kind of sat out the, that week 16, week 17, but he's going to be full force here, and I think, uh, that goes back to what you talked about. Like, I, it's it's 
scary and challenging to fade Mahomes and Kelsey. And But I'll just punch all the way down to Everett. That'll be the one punch. And then I can still fit T.Y. Hilton in that lineup as well. So really what it comes down to is Foles and Hilton versus Mahomes and and D. Williams over there in KC. And so most people will take the Mahomes and D. Williams side. I still think you know, there's simply more upside with, with Foles and Hilton. Uh, how crazy am I? But that's where I'm at. Not crazy at all, actually. Um, uh, I was going to say the same thing. Like, really, like, the guys, I can't see. You can you can get Mahomes's by not paying for Mahomes. You can get the guys who are most likely to get the bulk of production from Mahomes. And uh, like you said, like you said, Foles might be the way to go. Like you said, I, I really don't understand why that game is not getting the kind of DFS love that it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that like Foles hasn't been particularly great, but that's sort of reflected in his pricing. Another guy you could consider, maybe if you're really frightened, is probably playing Goff at home. So Goff plus Gurley, so you can get all those touchdowns, and then Zeke yep. run it back with Zeke. Um, and then find somewhere else. But like again, the the pivots that you're talking about, D. Williams is a guy who, like you said, if you tell a little bit of a story, if Casey manages to blow out Indy, and then it's D. Williams' time, or they give D. Williams six targets, fifteen touches, and just take a blowout win, pretty good, right? Like for what five k? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Spencer Ware, is, I, I, we don't have any news yet. I'd imagine he's going to be active. We don't really know what those touches are going to look like between the two. And so it's like you are playing D. Williams because you know he's going to be the pass-catching back against a team which is one of the bottom three in terms of, you know, just conceding passes to the back. So I get it. And, and I you know, D. Williams is such a such a great play. It's just like, man, but, I mean, if I'm going to take that extra flex spot on, on D. Williams and get up to Mahomes – I just I don't want to not have T.Y. Hilton at only six point seven this week. That's my struggle. So I, I may not I may end up splitting this week in that two for, two for there. But I mean, you know, there's definitely some ways to get some leverage this week. I mean, those those Dallas wide receivers are hurt. So I mean, Cooper is right away a good leverage play off of Zeke. And I mean, I one person that's really popular, getting a lot of love, Hassan. Let me know your thoughts on this one. Is Naheem Hines? Of course, he gave us the goose egg last week, right? Well, mm-hmm. everybody is slating Indy to have to play catch up in this game. Vegas, uh, you know, agrees. Not large uh, discounts on the Indy side, but I'm not so sure. We can just assume Naheem Hines is going to be the pass catching back, like we saw in the season. I mean, nine snaps last week, and they, I mean. If they were really concerned about Mac, even when they were up 21-3, they would have given Hines a little bit more work there. I granted, I get that he's not the 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 pound, the thumping type guy, but I'm not so sure they take Mac off the field given its playoffs. He's clearly the better guy. Those targets might simply just go to Mac, and they might just keep Mac on the field. And so, even though Hines is so cheap. You can take shots on those New England wide receivers that are so cheap as well. Chris Hogan got 10 targets in Week 17. Now, granted, Cordell Patterson was out, so I think that's a little inflated, also considering they were playing the Jets. But, I mean, I I think it's more risky this week just to assume Naheem Hines is going to get those passing work uh, when, I mean, they, they could very well just give those targets to Marlon Mack. I'm not so sure. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that I'm also a little bit split on because Mac missed time, and that's sort of where Heinz really came on. And I was trying to trying to tease this stuff out with the screener before we got on uh, to record. And it's it's tough. I mean, at 3.3k, it's very enticing because he opens up the entire roster, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so the question is, uh, could you live with another goose egg? And uh, at 3.3k, provided like all like you know you've got that high floor from the rest of your studs, I I don't hate it. Um, but it's just such a, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like inherently just a bit of a coward, especially when it comes down to cash games, because like we were talking about this in the, you know, uh, or way earlier, I'd much rather have my opponents show me that they know who the proper plays are as opposed to me outsmarting myself. And, yeah. um, and, uh, maybe I'm, I, and I'll be honest, Hey guys, I'm probably a huge donk. You're probably going to, you're probably taking my money anyway. Uh, but you know, like. All that said, it's one of those things that does give you a little bit of pause because, you know, there's been some positive talk about Mac. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, like, KC's inability to defend the run. The whole issue with that is if KC truly come out and nuke Indy, the only way to really get back in this game would probably be via TY, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at a lineup here right now, a shell, and I'm going to not give you the t- the punt tight end or the defense because you can kind of figure those out. But, I mean, Foles, Zeke, Gurley, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Nelson Aguilar, and T.Y. Hilton. And if you're talking about give me the most guaranteed targets and touches to fill out a lineup for a safe floor play, despite it not having KC exposure, where's the problem in that lineup? Right, and that's the thing. I just can't find it because both Ginn and Aguilar are two guys who are in that cash pool that I'm considering. Like, it's kind of crazy, right? Like, like uh-huh. Ginn sort of walks in right off the street. Uh, he's been on IR for a while and just racks up targets. I, I mean, we talked about this on the pods last week, but like the impact Ginn truly has on this offense is going to be huge for these dudes going forward, particularly Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, because he opens that up. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets really fascinating because with Ginn at 4.4K and the state of the Philadelphia cornerback, you know, union, for lack of a better word, it's not great. It's, you know, it's just <laughs> like, 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 like realistically, uh, I mean, like the, the craziest thing is like when you're looking at like Ginn splits since coming to New Orleans and then when he plays at home and find the sample is very small. But, like, the difference in pass completion when Breeze is targeting him versus Cam is actually eye-popping. And all you need is for him to convert one or two of those long passing plays. And he already kind of hits a little bit of that value. And if he, you know, manages to sprint for a TD, you're already seeing pretty because you're getting that from a 4.4K wide receiver. And uh, Aguilar becomes that other option. And I don't know what to do with Hogan, you know what I mean? Like, he's... He's a guy who we've seen run routes. We've seen him, uh, you know, get some usage. And this was even prior to the Gordon, I mean, even prior to the Gordon trade, he just wasn't doing very much. Like I, I don't know if I can go all the way down to Hogan. Mm-hmm. And I think Aguilar really is that interesting play at like 4.3k because it's just kind of like an eh, meh, unsexy name. And I don't know if I if I'm playing Gurley, I don't know how many Rams I want to play. Right? Like if I'm playing Gurley, I want to play Gurley and Goff, not Gurley and Woods. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get you there 100%. And it's like, you know, Chris Hogan, it, it could be Hogan, it could be Dorsett, it could be Patterson. Realistically, we don't know which one of those guys it is. James going White. To 
He, absolutely. I mean, James White at 4.9 is a phenomenal play in his own regard as well. So it's like in, in, in Nelson Aguilar at 4.3K, he's the reason why there's zero chance I can play Zach Ertz. You know what I mean? Not only just the you know the tight end splits versus New Orleans. I mean, look, if you're going to tell me I can get seven targets from from Aguilar for four point three versus seven or eight targets from Ertz at you know one point five k more expensive, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Especially considering Dallas Goddard could be the one to poach the <laughs> the touchdown, regardless. You know what I mean? Right. This was something that we actually talked about on the High Six Fantasy Hour and also with Sean Siegel about why we were. You know, not really looking at Ertz as an option in the FFPC playoff challenge. There's just so many like actual viable wide receivers on that team that you really kind of are hoping Ertz gets TDs. Like Goddard can get the TD, Golden Tate can get the TD, Darren Sproles is all of a sudden back in it and get TDs. You know, Nelson, why not Nelson Aguilar and Alshon Jeffries there too? You know, so it's like it's one of those things wherein I want a narrow target distribution, especially in cash games this week. Because I want others to show me they understand who the plays are. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and that's, I think, the way to approach cash this week. I mean, GPPs is a whole different, uh, it's a whole different story. Like, just because of how cool you just have to start telling yourself stories. But I mean, for the most part, like, Aguilar had, you know, 96 targets over the season. He had 63 racks. He actually had a pretty okay year, all things considered. And I think that, like, he can coexist alongside Golden Tate. Like, his depth of target slightly deeper than Tate's. And they kind of play the same the same guy-ish role over in New Orleans. And, you know, if it was Aguilar who got the TD last week and not Tate, maybe his pricing would have been significantly higher. But at 4.3K, I can't see why you don't want a guy who would rotate into the slot. Yep, with you there a little bit, uh, all the bit. All the all the while as well. You talked a little bit uh, a little bit about GPP there. So so a couple questions from now. So we'll just talk about it now. Give us a couple YOLO plays for this weekend in large field. Yeah, this is actually interesting because, like you mentioned, I mean, Ginn, Aguilar, really, and Hines—they're all interesting plays. But like the news on Gordon has been fairly, you know, weak. So there's a way for you to play it like that backfield because in GPPs you're gonna have to start telling yourself a story for the you know for a scenario to play out and uh, you know the last time Gordon played in New England he was banged up he was kind of on the injury report uh, if I recall correctly uh, back in 2017 he had 139 yards and 15 touches I don't think that happens again but it doesn't mean it ha- it might not you know what I mean like like Gordon still got that TD at 6.2k he's going to go maybe he's a little too pricey and maybe he'll go a little bit overrun because people are a little bit afraid of that entire health thing so you sort of got to lean into it um other guys from that Chargers game who are kind of like are the Williams is Mike Antirell um if 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 it was up to me I'd probably be uh be on Mike if only because he sort of earned uh, a, an increase in his role which is actually kind of fascinating um, Darren Sproles becomes a really interesting GPP kind of pivot. Uh, I mean, he might, you know, depending on how you see that game play, uh, playing out. Uh, from the KC uh, indie game, Chester Rogers, Dontrell Inman, I don't know how much you want to play of either of those guys, but uh, Chris Conley becomes interesting. And if uh, Sammy is not fully good to go, then um, uh, maybe even a sprinkle of Demarcus Robinson. And, uh, I mean, over on LA, you've got Cooks, obviously, but like Josh Reynolds is interesting. Gerald Everett could also be interesting in GPP builds. And, um, over on the Dallas side, you could probably play a little bit of Gallup. Um, 
and uh, over on New England, uh, if you really think that game turns into a New England blowing out the Chargers, Sony Michel becomes uh, the kind of guy you want uh, over there. Yeah, love it. Love all of those calls, especially Sony Michel. He seems to be the way for for New England to keep the edge if they do, and I'm not so sure they actually do. But uh, yeah, just great calls across the board there. And it's one of those things when you're trying to get a YOLO play out there, you want to try to do something methodically that nobody else is doing, but it also makes sense. Uh, and so like playing back what we were talking about from a cash game consideration, and you know, just my thoughts on Indy KC. KC, you know, is one of those teams where look they can put up 35 points on the board. And you look back and you go. Man, we got a touchdown from Conley. We got a touchdown from this other D. Williams or Ware. And then we got another one from Demarcus Robinson or Sammy Watkins. And you're like, wait a minute, we got all these points, but my, my lineup doesn't have all the touchdowns in it. What the hell? I mean, KC is just one of those teams. They can be tilting and still put up a lot of points. And I mean, if, you know, playing back the Naheem Hines thing, I mean, if people are going to go there and Mac stays on the field for the target work, you could play Mac. And I mean, Kamara. Just you talked about New England and that uh, New Orleans, and that game seemingly going to be a little bit more under owned. I mean, Kamara at home against the Eagles and getting involved in the pass game. You play Kamara over Thomas, and then you know you add in Hilton and Cooper. I mean, you can build yourself a solid team that has just inherent leverage on the Zeke, the Gurley, the Michael Thomas, and it still be a very formidable team. I'm not saying it's a uh, uh, a lineup that should realize the 90th percentile range of outcomes, uh, but it's certainly viable. Right, and you can also, I mean, if you really want to go uh, truly YOLO, you could play uh, both New Orleans backs, right? So Kamara gets bad, and then they move over to Ingram like they did in the previous game uh, against the Eagles, and the Eagles ha- are more successful at playing from a deficit, so then you sort of do a bit of a game stack there. So you go Foles, you go Jeffrey, you go Aguilar, and then you have both the New Orleans uh, RBs, and then you sort of uh, diversify on the other side if that's the story you're trying to tell about your lineup, or if you're hoping that they're one of those uh, guys are a little bit lower owned, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great stuff across the board there. Uh, we went a little bit over talking about it, but hey, that's what we're here for. This is where all the action is right now. We're talking about playoff NFL football, baby, so that's that's what we're doing. That's where we're at. So, uh, Hassan, if you had to be an inanimate object for a year, what object would you choose to be? Yeah, so this actually comes down to be um, a choice between being an item on someone uh, interesting or being uh, an item with someone uh, that does interesting things. And I uh, decided to go with the uh, former. So it would be kind of cool to live life as um, Jeff Goldblum's glasses. So you're living his life. Uh, you know, you see what he sees. You uh, live the kind of life that he does uh, if his uh, private life is anywhere near where his public persona is. And you sleep when he sleeps. So in essence, you're uh, spending life as uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, for a year. I love it. I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll take your Jeff Goldblum glasses and I'll raise you Larry David's glasses. Just as good. Actually, probably better because, uh, man, that guy is hilarious. Like the way he views the world. Oh, oh my God. And I, I'm telling you, the things that happened to that dude, they, they happened to all of us. But somehow they just happened to him a little bit more exacerbated, maybe a little bit more frequently. But then, of course, he just takes it to the, ne- to the nth degree, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's oh, man, just such a good show, Grab Your Enthusiasm. 
Oh, one of the best. One of the best. Well, we're going to we're going to pause there a little quick note from our sponsors, which this week is us. Hang tight. Hey, Rotoviz fans, Jeremy Hart, Rotoviz Radio. Now, if you're still listening to this show, that means you're in the fantasy playoffs, or it might mean that you are a dynasty head and you're looking to get a head start on that off-season rebuild. Or it simply means that you are a football sickness diehard and you simply can't get enough. Whatever the case may be, you are still able to get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. A subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also supports the pod. Whether it's the Dynasty ADP app, or the Dynasty Trade Calculator, or the Box Score Scout, or the Running Back Prospect Lab, and the Prospect Heat Map, in-depth rookie prospect analysis at every single position, Dynasty Mock Drafts with analysis, and of course, the acclaimed Rotoviz Screener app and Freak Score Calculator. All of these apps, tools, and analysis is available, again, for a 30% discount, which is applied for the calendar year, so it's not too late to get a head start on winning your championship. Also, be sure to subscribe to and rate the Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. If you like what we do, that's great because we certainly love doing it. Go ahead and help us find new listeners and hit that rate button out there on iTunes. Again, I'm Jeremy Hart with Rotoviz Radio. Go ahead and take advantage of a 30% discount through the Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, Asan, my man, jumping right back in here with the Fuck, Mary Kill 2018-19 Seasonal Divisional Playoff Wide Receivers, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, T.Y. Hilton. Where are you going? Uh, yeah, so this is interesting because two of those guys I'm uh, hoping made the Super Bowl, if only for the sake of our FFPC teams, <laughs> uh, which uh, unfortunately leads me to kill uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, oh. Get on out of here. Uh, we, we, were, we, were, we were praising him. I, I'm really hoping that like he puts up a massive total... Uh, uh, over in DK because my teams will need him, but I'm hoping that uh, he's out after this round, uh, which leaves uh, me with Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill. Um, and that would lead me to probably marry Michael Thomas, uh, if only because um, we have uh, more ownership of uh, Michael Thomas than we do of uh, Tyreek Hill, and his ownership in the FFPC challenge is, um, I'm just checking here, uh, a little under 30%. Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas is 30% in. or Tyreek Hill is 30%? Uh, Michael Thomas is uh, 30%. Uh, Tyreek Hill is 18 Unfortunately, we don't have uh, we have more Michael Thomas than we do Tyreek, which would lead me to fuck uh, Tyreek because I'm hoping that, um, if possible, he's able to put up massive totals over the next few games. And, hey, he makes a Super Bowl. That's great. But I'd rather marry uh, Michael Thomas if only because uh, we have more live lineups with Michael Thomas than we do with Tyreek Hill. Use him and lose him. Use him and lose him. I like yes, it. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, Michael Thomas is definitely the Mary. I'm saddened that you're going to kill T.Y. Hilton here, but I'm with you, and I will get behind you and stand with you in that let's just get all the Hilton usage in production. They don't need to come away with the victory, but he'll ride your teams and my DK teams to victories while not – uh, limiting your FFPC. So I'm with you there 100%. Go T.Y. Hilton just for this week, right? Oh, uh, hey, and if, if they're able to make a run, 
that's even great because uh, it's very exciting to watch this Colts team sort of, uh, you know, they were left for dead at the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, make this like phenomenal push over the last few weeks. And uh, I mean, and, and I know that they've played a soft schedule, but hey, this is the NFL. Uh, you know, you can take nothing for granted on a weekly basis, and it's been very exciting to see T.Y. Hilton become fantasy relevant again. Uh, you know, like last week, well, I mean, last season was just lost in the desert with Jacoby Brissett under center. Apparently, good things happen to people that binge on Coke, named Jim Irsay. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. I don't understand how this guy, uh, it's just it's just not fair. Life is not fair. Moving on, Hassan. If you were given full reign to redesign the food pyramid, what would the Hassan Rahim food pyramid look like? Yeah, this was actually kind of uh, interesting because, as you know, like, uh, I'm uh, I, you know, I'm a Pakistani, so like our food is a little bit different. So it's going to be like grains probably at the bottom. So you got your wheats, you got you know your your nans, your rotis, and then like your 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 rice. And then uh, above that is probably going to be like your vegetables, all your vegetable dishes. And realistically, I'm a big fan of barbecue. So um, throw out the veggies, and then you just get two different layers of barbecue, right? So you get like. Uh, the the international barbecue because like, like barbecue done on uh, where I'm from is a completely different style, different spices, and the barbecue that's done over here in America, uh, I had a chance to go down to one, uh, you know, the Cadillac uh, barbecue uh, shack down in Dallas, and it was like a revelatory experience. Right before I got on the plane, I had like the meat sweats, you know, just like this phenomenal brisket. They sold out of the beef ribs. So really, if you could get like the two middle parts. Uh, with barbecue uh, of all types, hey, I, I don't mind global barbecue. And then on top of that, uh, you've got your waters and uh, probably some fruit. Uh, I like some sweet stuff, but realistically, uh, I've switched over to eating a lot more fruit. And fruit has a lot of like natural sugars in it. Like, so I'm uh, become a pretty big fan of that kind of like uh, thinking of it as nature's candy. Yeah, there you go. They, they, you're gonna. I can't let you off the hook. You gotta walk me through the Pakistani barbecue. Like, what what am I missing? What do I need to try? Oh man, there's uh, there's plenty. So you gotta go get uh, uh, any form of like kebabs. So you get your Sikh kebabs, you get some Bihari kebabs, maybe some Rishmi kebabs. Uh, any form, uh, whether it's beef, whether it's chicken, it's all good, man. Like it's all just phenomenal. And uh, and if you're able and if you're able to luck out into a place that actually like does this like phenomenal grilled fish, uh, man, like it's spicy. It's got like some lemon on it. It's just oh, it's it's, it's tremendous. So if you're able to to, to lock into that uh, over in Chicago, and I know there are a couple of spots, you gotta you, you gotta hit it up because um, it's a very different experience. Plus, uh, I love the fact that uh, a lot of it is just done over coal, and the uh, the the flavor imparted from the coal is just oh, it, it, like amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm 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 melting at the mouth right now because it sounds so good. Oh man, and like ah, you mentioned the Dallas area. I wish I lived in the Dallas area. I wish I lived in the Tennessee area. Just barbecue, oh, yes. barbecue mavens of the world. Uh, don't get me wrong, Chicago is great and all, right? But uh, yeah, I, I'd rather be down there just for the barbecue, if nothing else. All right, Dynasty PPR. Can you maybe forecast what you expect from a Josh Rosen-led offense with their new coach, with or without uh, Larry Fitzgerald? And this one's really tough because out of all the rookie quarterbacks, Rosen showed the least, you know. And so, like, projecting Rosen going forward is very difficult, uh, if only because we know he's good in UCLA and we've seen inefficient quarterback play turn around. You know, um, 
mm-hmm. we saw Goff turning around. Um, Trubisky, uh, for all the, the, the kind of uh, uh, crap that he's taken, for lack of a better word, he was he actually had a pretty good season um, before getting hurt. Um, so, so, so there's like, you know, pretty good evidence that these guys can turn their careers around because, uh, I mean, let's, let's be honest. The, the previous Arizona regime was, uh, <laughs> it, it tried to just sort of kill itself, right? Like they went out and they hired Steve Wilkes and they were like, well, you're a defensive guy, so you're going to need an offensive coordinator to run everything for you. Uh, let's see who we can find. Yes, Mike McCoy, the guy who, uh, has not successfully led an offense in a few years. Um, one of the most interesting things about McCoy was he refused to use Melvin Gordon as a receiver back, uh, you know, Gordon's rookie year. Uh, if Melvin Gordon was ever a good receiver, we'll never know. Um, but, uh, you know, so, so, so Mike McCoy just was kind of the guy who you ramshackled, uh, a first time head coach to. So obviously he was unfortunately also going to go get fired. And that entire team top to bottom. Um, was a disaster. So it's difficult to really evaluate Rosen, but the guy who I think uh, has was sneakily pretty good in terms of efficiency was Christian Kirk, um, and he is someone who you might want to sort of inquire about. Um, I think a lot of people are going to have uh, you know s- sort of be clinging to their evals on him and probably cling to him very tightly. So. You don't have to press, like, like I wouldn't give up a lot for him. But I think this is an offense wherein um, Kirk, we'll see Kirk sort of ascend, uh, hopefully to a new level. I'm not so sure about Fitz. He says he's going to be back. Um, but, the, but the thing is, I mean, like, uh, Fitz is, um, you, we've sort of seen what it looks like when he's, like, we saw a very mortal version of Fitz. He's no longer when he wasn't scoring tight ends, and like the issue is, I don't know if this Arizona team's going to be good enough to produce the kind of red zone equity that makes Fitz a viable fantasy pick. So, if anything, his real life value to the team will only be because he's there as like a figurehead versus an actual fantasy producer, and it becomes really difficult to figure out how to go forward. I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic on Cliff Kingsbury, but at the same time, I mean like. Um, you know, he, he was dealt a pretty poor hand in Lubbock. He did a pretty good job with it. There's reason to be optimistic if only because this franchise is trying something new with someone new. Uh, I don't know yet, uh, if Rosen is the guy, but, you know, fingers crossed that this is a team that goes towards more air raid slash spread concepts and, uh, the Kingsbury puts Rosen in a position to make the plays that he's comfortable making and we see, uh, and we see them take a step forward. Yeah, I mean, this is the the intrigue of the unknown is better than the shit that we have known, right? And that's the story of the Arizona Cardinals to a T. And, I mean, they had a lot of offensive line woes. Fitz also dealt with a lot of hammy issues. I mean, Christian Kirk left injured, Chad Williams in and out. And, I mean, I, I'm giving Rosen a mulligan here. I mean, as a rookie quarterback, we, we know they tend to underperform just by that aspect and just being thrust into a starting role in that just – ungodly uh, overall system and scheme and just, just everything in Arizona. So I'll give him the mulligan. I do think Fitz will be back and only that, you know, if he's healthy enough to play, I don't think he's going to want to go out on the season he had with the team and system that he had to play through. So I, 
I think that, you know, well, clearly the arrows are pointing up for Arizona. So, yeah, I think this is the type of offense that you can get these, to your point, uh, you can get these cheap, the, these pieces on the cheap. So I'm, I'm going in and going to be shopping Arizona Cardinals here this offseason myself. Uh, playoff outlook. I started a nice roll on my bookie off one of your ads earlier this season. So thanks. Uh, this week I'm trying to figure out why the Dallas uh, Rams spread is so large, and am I and uh, am thinking about taking Dallas versus the spread? And I also think the Colts can win out. So, what do you guys think about these takes? And should I at least hedge if I am thinking this way? What say you? Um, I don't know uh, about that Dallas uh, LAR spread. Uh, if your lean is probably Dallas with the spread, uh, I do that. I don't know if you could or should be betting uh, Colts money line. Uh, maybe if the value is there. Um, just a couple of things that I was noticing a little bit from like the Colts, like after they buy, they like uh, you know over the last uh, seven weeks, um, they had uh, four of their uh, wins uh, were uh, decided by three points or fewer, and uh, you know those aren't even against particularly great teams. It's, like here's a handful of the teams that the Colts beat um, by uh, a field goal or a little less, and and and. and I'll be honest. I don't know if this is because like the final game flow made it so so that they lost like so uh, like such. But at the same time, they're not particularly great teams. So without further ado, they beat the Jaguars uh, at home 29-26. They beat the Dolphins at home 27-24. Uh, they beat the Texans barely on the road 24-21. And um, they actually were. Uh, this one I remember. Uh, they barely beat 28-27. The New York Giants who were without o- Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, they surrendered a touchdown to, oh, something called Scott Simonson. Um, and they were lit up by Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. So there's, like, reasons to be, you know, like, there's a lot of, I've seen the Colts gathering a lot of steam from a public standpoint. And so I don't know if the value uh, on Colts' money line, unless it pays out a significant chunk, is, is a risk that I'm truly willing to take just because, uh, you know, like the Colts played a fairly easy schedule. They haven't really, played, they haven't played a particularly difficult schedule of quarterbacks. They played um, uh, Blaine Gabbert. They played Cody Kessler. Uh, they played Derek Carr. They played, uh, you know, the Giants at OBJ. It, it, like the fear here is that like KC could legitimately win this by double digits, and it could be all said and done by like before the half is the first half is over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Gosh, this is tough. You know, I think if if I'm betting the the KC indie game, I think the play is to just um, play the under. And it, it, that's what's so crazy about this week is everybody's talking about this this game shooting out and this game going over. I'm just ah gosh, I'm struggling to see how. I'm struggling to see why Indy has been formidable and it is an arrowhead. We've seen these games traditionally go under in Arrowhead Stadium. So I'll still stay on the KC side to win that game. I think it'll be, you know, tougher, but I'll take the under there. Um, I like the over in New Orleans. I think that game environment, I mean, that's the game that I think can just just blow up, right? I think that's the <laughs> that's the shootout game is Philly and New Orleans inside the dome. Breeze. Of course, field of football. Yeah, 
And I mean, we're not we're not talking about it because you know the, we've got Mahomes taking all the attention over there in KC. So I just I, I I don't know. I think that 57 should should be over there in New Orleans. I don't I don't know how off I am about it, but uh, yeah. So getting over there to my bookie if that's what you're doing, that's the way I'm leaning. All right, it's on a Shark Tank app idea that does not exist today. Uh, I just spent a good chunk of time uh, racking my brains, and it turns out uh, I'm not very creative, uh, and a lot of things uh, have been invented. Uh, so I'm actually going to go with hopefully a plea that will eventually uh, be something that uh, that Rotoviz implements, and that's us to have the app suite that migrates over to mobile. Uh, I can't tell you how many times uh, I'm on a bus and like, I'm trying to like I'm listening to a podcast and I hear someone say something and I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And it gets my mind thinking and I want to check something out, like, you know, maybe using the game splits or the team splits app. And, um, uh, you know, for as phenomenal those are and I'm not at the desktop at the time and if I forget, uh, then I'm not able to, uh, and if I forget, then I'm definitely not able to pull that up. So, uh, you know, my kingdom for uh, a special <laughs> Rotoviz uh, app uh, that um, actually is our app suite uh, that I can actually carry around um, on my phone. God knows I spend enough time on my phone. I just need a reason to spend more on it. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that just be amazing? And not only that, it would incorporate uh, Alexa. Please show me New Orleans splits with Alvin Kamara in and out of the game. Wouldn't it? Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be the future. That's like where, where, where we're just like throwing off lineup, uh, lineup, uh, uh, uh. Ideas right off of Hey Google and uh, and Alexa. Oh, that would be so clutch. Oh yeah, it's like the it's like the StatMuse Google search engine with the Alexa or Siri uh, technology incorporated. I mean, you know, if anybody's going to get there first, it's probably Yahoo. Am I right? Like Yahoo, they'll somebody's doing something like this, and it, I mean, because that's the future. Mobile is everywhere, and I mean, that's yeah, that that's the future. So uh, yeah, shave, shave off a little bit. Uh, you know, save save a bone for us over here at Rotovis. So we can make this happen as well. All right, Asan, uh, take a favorite or popular movie. Change one letter in the title. What's the new plot? What's it all about? Uh, so I'm going to change uh, Mission Impossible Fallout to Mission Impossible Ballout, and the new plot is about uh, high school AAU stars and their track to the NBA. It's going to be a documentary. And uh, that's why, you know, I mean, like, it's difficult to make it to the NBA anyway, hence the Mission Impossible and ball out. You know, it's just going to be really cool watching these kids absolutely smash at the high school level and then hopefully make their way through college, be one and done, and hopefully make it to the NBA and, like, follow their, like, path up until draft night. Oh, uh, that would be – I would watch every single second of that. Those are my jams. I love those docudramas. And all about just the the sports programs and and uh, the life, the thirty for thirty style, whether it's oh, the yeah. coach and the team. That is just oh, it's so good, so good. I mean, and watching these these kids and, and just you know what they're trying to do. To, and I mean, the life to the NBA, I don't think gets enough run. We've seen ton of NFL stuff. We've we've seen hard knocks. We've seen a lot of the college stuff. We haven't seen too much NBA tread, have we? And I feel like you know. 90% of the NFL, if they had the ball skills to play NBA, they would. Because, quite frankly, I mean, you know, it's more lucrative, it's less bodily injury, it's it's everything. I mean, NBA is where everybody would be if they could. Yeah, I mean, like it's just amazing when you think how shallow the player pool in the NBA is. And just the kind of skill, like even just like the skill level that's like between the like, guys who we think are four players at the NBA level, like, single-handedly dragged the colleges up until, like, the Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. It's 
Oh, and that's why that's why NBA is. We're here doing an NFL pod, but I mean NBA is just what what a wonderful product, what an amazing sport to watch night in and night out. So I'm with you there across the board. All right, we've got another Dino here. Can you guys uh, talk about your favorite uh, Dynasty platforms outside of my fantasy league? Uh, sorry, MFL, uh, throwing that in there. I get why everyone likes the site, but I've convinced my league I simply do not want to run it anymore, and everyone is willing to pay in a little bit more for whatever rake might be out there uh, for it to host for us. So what say you? Um, I, I think uh, you kind of don't want to necessarily pay the rake. Uh, I play in a quite a few like dynasty leagues over on ESPN if uh, as a commissioner willing to do the put in the work uh, luckily uh, my commissioners are who have on ESPN uh, God bless their souls they put in a lot of work over here um, and if you're willing to do the extra work particularly uh, when the site goes down for updates and stuff like manually moving rosters uh, elsewhere you can pretty much avoid the rake otherwise I also recommend flea flicker um, but that's one of those that uh, I enjoy playing there. I, I have a handful of leagues there, but like, and it's also rake free. But the issue with Flea Flicker is um, it's another app for me to check or a website to check. And um, unless I'm invested in the league, or uh, I will uh, have a bad habit of tuning out. And that's something that you want to be 100% sure if you guys are moving off of MFL. Um, because I think it's a phenomenal product, and uh, kudos to those guys. I mean, like, uh, whatever you want, whatever scoring format tickles your fancy, whatever wild rule you can think of, they make it happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there across the board. Um, MFL, you know, and I've done commissioning for Dynasties myself, and it it is very customizable, no doubt about it. And at the same time, I'm not going to lie, it is not easy to learn that. So it is very cumbersome all the while. Uh, Flea Flicker, as, as great as they've been, I mean, two of my leagues, in fact, we moved over to Flea Flicker for the seamlessness, and then we ended up moving back to MFL to get back into the customizable stuff that we wanted. And I and I will say, all the while, I was commissioning, and quite frankly, like either you want to be a commissioner and you have a passion to do it, or you don't. And I had that passion for a few years, and then that's, that passion slowly died. And then it was just more of a chore, then it was homework, and it was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And because, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, you work very hard, and it's a thankless job, quite frankly. And so, I, there, like this dude is talking about, he's his league is willing to pay the rake. So, I, I think it's great. I mean, our partners over at uh, myffpc.com, they run Dynasty Leagues, and, and they're great. Their platform is great. Uh, the guys that run the, the high-stakes fantasy football hour and, you know, do the high-stakes shows on this show, uh, just personable guys. They're in there in the draft rooms making sure everything's kosher. Uh, those leagues are always filling, and they stay filled for years upon years. So I'll give them uh, the cred. They deserve there. And then uh, I've heard many good things about the folks over at Apex Fantasy Leagues and some of the uh, leagues they run. Granted, are through MFL, but, again, if you're looking to pay a dollar to just play and, you know, if, if nobody's willing to step up and be the commissioner, then these are the way to go. Um, so that's what I got there as well. All right, Hassan, the moment in history, the moment you would choose to go back in time and witness in person. Uh, probably, and this is, I mean, I know there's been a pretty big uh, shift uh, towards this. This would probably be a little bit more uh, towards anything that's like, uh, anything particularly that's like odd note that proves religion exists, you know? 
it doesn't it, anything just anything that like uh because uh you know uh, just necessarily just sort of uh, as a guy who's very evidence-based and skeptical anything would help and it would be kind of cool to be there like uh you know recognizing or being at like one of the flashpoints between uh at the you know the conceptualization i guess of, of religion that's a pretty interesting one um and i know you had quite a few guests who have actually said the same thing mm-hmm. so it's interesting yeah, absolutely. And we're all looking for answers all the time. So we're inherently always drawn to, to this, to this question. So I'm, I'm with you across the board 100%. I love it. And, uh, and, and, and not only just for the religion, but also for the history element, which I think is always very underrated because in, in many ways, those moments in time are literally what shape society and culture. And, and, and how those evolve for, for many, many years to come. And, and I think that's an underrated aspect as well. Um, all right, so we're going to end it on this, all right? Your sizzling, smoking, scorching hot take for the playoff divisional weekend. Bring it. All right, here we go. This one is uh, going to go back to someone we talked about. Rob Gronkowski uh, is someone who's going to break out. Poor Derwin James is going to have his soul reap. Gronk's going to go 9-121-2. And he's going to just, after that, he's going to completely rip through the playoffs. He's going to be the guy that wins your GPPs this week. Oh, man. Oh, man. This is this is so hot. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nobody's going to be on it. Gronk has been left for dead. He's the shell of Gronk. And he's just going to come out with the ultimate two-Gronk touchdown game. And, and Hassan mentioned it here first. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, really, is it that unbelievable that, hey, I mean, all right, I'm going off on an edge here, so bring reel me back in, Hassan, but I don't want to say this has all been a facade, but, like, what if they've really just, you know, they, they knew their division, they knew they were going to get into the playoffs, they knew they had a good chance to even secure a bye because everyone around them in their, you know, region of the AFC just completely sucks. And what if they've just been saving him for the playoffs? Is it that bad? It's probably pretty hot to say that, too. Let me just parlay with you. So New England Miami Dolphins, that 33-34 game that the Bats lost, Gronk went 8-107-1, right? And then the Patriots went ahead and played uh, the Steelers. Uh, the entire team played for at least a 17-10 was their loss. Then they played the Bills, they thrashed 24-12. And then they played the Jets. Who put up three points against their thirty-eight? Um, they, I feel like, if, the, if there's any team that understands the strengths of their opponents and kind of how to game plan against them and whether or not they want to risk injury to a guy who's already got a fairly high injury risk, would you not like? Would is this team that is like this is the team that comes to mind? You know, I. I in week 17, we saw teams like throwing out their stars to go play meaningless rubbers while the, while the Patriots have, uh, you know, it feels like they're doing a little bit of like the NBA, like forced rest thing. Oh, man. Damn you, Hassan. Damn you. I'm taking you right off the edge with me, man. Like, oh. this is like, I, like, it's just, it just, I don't know what to say if only because like, I believe a lot of this stuff, but we've seen Gronk put up a hundred yard game and it was like four weeks ago. And like, then we see him miss a tackle against Kenyon Drake. And like, even at his prime, 
and is healthiest. Gronk was never as fast as Kenyon Drake. You you know no. you're you're setting up a lumbering guy against like a dude who runs a sub four four forty. It's always going to look bad. Yeah, yeah. This guy isn't meant to backpedal for crying out loud. Right. This dude does not backpedal and shift. That is not what he's ever done. So. Oh gosh, I'm I'm with you, man. I love it. I love it. Let's go. Let's make this happen. But that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast, and we are dedicated to answering all your fantasy football questions. And again, if you have any questions you want answered on this show, just hit up us, hit us up via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotovizradio. Hassan, my man, many thanks for carving out the time, coming back for the playoffs with me. So uh, give us the plug, give us the deets, where can we find you, what's uh, what's coming up for the offseason here? Yeah, we've got a, quite a lot going on over at Rotoviz. We've got the prospects that we did. Uh, we've got all the post-bowl, like the post-bowl prospects, so that's coming out. Uh, I've got uh, a Pythagorean series coming out, like looking back at teams that got lucky, that got unlucky from a Pythag uh, perspective. Then we're going to be digging into free agents and uh, – Best ball leagues are open, so keep your eyes peeled for a little bit of best ball content. Uh, Jeremy, have you jumped into any of those draft best ball leagues yet? Um, you know what? I haven't even gone for this upcoming season. I have not. Uh, last season, I did, and I love them. Um, I had a profitable year on MFL. Well, I should say with MFL 10s. And uh, with draft, I think I ended up breaking even because I overexposed myself to the big tournaments where I was also overexposed to guys like Alex Smith and Robbie Anderson, which were great, but just it was, it was a day late and a dollar short with, with some of those teams. So it was overall net-net on draft. MFL 10, I'm just going to keep cranking them and keep cranking them and keep cranking them because... I don't know. Every year, every single year, it seems like those are still profitable. So I'm going to keep playing that. Yeah, and I agree with you. I'm a big fan of MFL tens. I uh, I profited a little bit, and then uh, maybe you and I can talk a little bit off mic about like what an optimal mix looks like. But I'm super stoked for like the offseason to come around. And uh, as always, we've got a little bit of uh, dynasty content. It's probably going to be, uh, and then but before you know it, we're going to be kicking off uh, the 2019. So. Here we go. We're gonna let's let's make 2019 the best season we've had yet. Here we go. It is going to be the best season we've had yet, and this season, which is going to be the best we've had yet, it's starting now. So get over there to rotaviz.com and get that 30% discount. And uh, also get over to Twitter. Make sure you hit that follow button. That's at hrr five zero one zero. He's the good dinner man, and he was here with his dulcet tones, giving us the Gronk smash. Do not forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Fantasy Gumshoe. Tell your friends about us, and do not forget to sign up for a 30% discount through our podcast homepage on rotoviz.com. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I can't even feel my arms! 
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.